tackles. He's at the 20, the 15, the 10. He's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. Dawson out to Harris for a three ball. He got it. Kennedy looking, center shot. The Spartans are on their way to a win in the Rose Bowl. Completion. Live from Impact Studios, the only sports show from MSU campus. This is The Pack. And your host, Fino. In the basement of Holden Hall, I have my great panel alongside with me, Austin Goodman, Faith Trugalecki, and our producer, Lou. Guys, how, how is everyone? I'm doing great. Can't complain. It's summertime, taking a couple summer classes, kicking back, getting the Rays. It's nice. a beautiful time. And uh, we got you back this week, so good that we picked you off waivers and you're back on sign. You know, you guys did pick me up off waivers. I got a 93% on my statistics go. exam. Awesome. Great things. Great things are going on here. Over 100% in the class. Right. You love to see it. Love to see it. Faith, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, relaxing a little bit this summer, taking classes as well. Okay. Uh, working and uh, four stakers, right? Yes, I am. How was that enjoyable? It's awesome. I love it. My boss is amazing. So shout out to Krista Maloney. Yeah. <laughs> She's great. <laughs> Unbelievable. I heard you talking about her last night on Press Bass and nothing but positive things. <laughs> Absolutely. For our four stakers. And the man behind the glass that really makes it all work, our guy, Lou Divizio. Lou, Divizio. Lou what's going on, pal? How you doing, guys? Enjoying the weather, you know? Got yeah, you're on my bike today. You know, get a little activity bike. in my life. Wow. Well, I'll tell you something that Lou is not enjoying. It's the NHL playoffs anymore with the Bruins Ooh. are out and eliminated. That was a low blow right there. It's kind of early. That was so low. soon. Yeah. Now, now I'm just upset. <laughs> like, hey, how you doing? Oh, yeah, your team lost. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Too bad. How sad, my friend. Uh, but we got a back show for everyone planned. Uh, MSU baseball we're talking about. And we just can't stop talking about the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs. I think third or fourth week in a row, we're talking playoffs in two different leagues. Well, why would you change it when it's hot? You places know? to go. People want to talk about it. Exactly. So, you, so we're talking about that big stuff. Number to call in, as always, 517-432-3893 is our number. Feel free to embrace the Spartan debate and call in. John Yales, our guy, also behind the glass. He is managing our Twitter account, at MSU Impact Sports. As well as he is answering and taking all your calls. So if you want to come on the pact, feel free to call in. John's taking them. But we're going to open up a segment on MSU baseball. Big segment. Michigan State baseball plays Wednesday in the Big Ten tournament, May 21st, uh, against Illinois. A good Illinois team, a three seed in the tournament. They're playing outstanding baseball. And look, they're riding that three very high. 31-19, I believe. That's a pretty good, pretty good record. And they've been dominating it. And really taking the Big Ten by the horns. So on that note, we bring in our our, our MSU baseball show host of Warning Track and our correspondent, all things Michigan State baseball. We welcome Zach Swerad to the pack. Zach, how are you, bud? I am fantastic. You know, like everybody else, I'm enjoying the nice weather. Sun's out, guns out. Right. Uh, if you got them, got to show them off. But uh, unlike MSU baseball, you know. I'm wrapping the guns. They aren't right now. You know, yeah, the big right. guns are not showing up. Yeah, quick correction. I said Illinois was 31 and uh, 17. They're actually 31 and 19. So, not that it really matters. They're good. They're playing like they're 31 and 17. Right. They really are. <laughs> 17 and 7 in the Big Ten. Yep. So, over 70% win percentage. They're really playing on all cylinders, Zach. So, yeah. looks like Michigan State might have their hands full in game one at 10 a.m. on 
Well, I was going to say on Big Ten Network. No. But it's not. But we, that... got, we got shut out. Yeah, actually, the first two games of the uh, Big Ten Tournament are actually not on air. Yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> I don't know. Let's ask him. We should go and ask him. I, I, I really feel like asking him, Zach. And before I get your analysis on Michigan State baseball in this game, you know, Jack Ebling was talking about this on the drive. It was pretty ridiculous how they're not showing games one and two of the Big Ten Tournament on right. Big Ten Network. This is a live tournament. So you'd figure this is what people want to see. I know I'd be interested. Of course. And even if I had Big Ten to go, I don't. I can't even watch this because I'll tell you what they're showing on at 10 a.m. They're showing Big Ten's greatest games, football, 2000. At 10 a.m., Oregon at Wisconsin. Joey Harrington's Ducks roll into Camp Randall. Joey Harrington. What a joke. That's right. What a joke. It wasn't I'm going to be honest with you. That guy was a joke pathetic. in college. Oh, wasn't. you're right. But as soon as he came to the NFL, he was That's a flop. That's another story. Oh, boy. We don't even need to get into that. <laughs> and what about at noon for that second game? You think you're going to watch? Maybe you'll get the noon start at the Big Ten tournament in Omaha, Nebraska. Well, no. Because another Big Ten's greatest game, and this might appease some Spartan fans, 2010, Notre Dame at Michigan State, fake field goal, Little Giants, Aaron Bates to Charlie Gant, blast from the past. That was almost four years ago, back when Michigan State – Used to have Notre Dame on the schedule. Wow. But anyway, so they're not showing Big Ten baseball. They're showing some reruns of some good football games. Fine. But then at 6 p.m., they have the third game, number one seeded Indiana versus the eight seeded Iowa. Iowa just squeaking in there. But Indiana, really class of the league. Mm, They really are. They really are, right? And then at 10 p.m., number four, Michigan. Or I'm sorry, fourth game, number four, Minnesota versus number five, Michigan. Yep. So game three and four on Big Ten Network, not one and two. So a little disappointing if you're a Michigan State fan trying to check out the game in Omaha. You can't even do that. So let's try to change gears here, Zach, and maybe give us a little insight on what Michigan State can expect against a very good Fighting Illini team. I think they can expect what they've expected all year. You know, a lot of potential for the Spartans, but a young team like uh, me and Brett have talked about on the warning track. But it's been close, but no cigar. You know, Jake Boss, a lot of a lot of times at the end of the game, it's tough talking to that guy. Uh, a lot of frustration. Uh, he's definitely he's looking more like 60 years old rather than in his 40s, what he is. But it's tough, you know, in a lot of these series, it's been really close. Like in the Illinois series, um, you know, we were close, especially in Indiana as well. Um, in four extra inning games, we're 0-4, too. So a lot of things going the other team's way. Uh, you know, I was also on Tiger Talk, too, and I mentioned, you know, the Tigers, if you look at the Tigers, everything's going their way right now. You know, the little things. Um, baseball's a game of inches, too. And that's the opposite with the Spartans right now. I don't know if you guys saw, but there's a great play by a Nebraska right fielder. Yeah. Uh, diving catch, beautiful, beautiful play. And, if, you know, if he misses that, Spartans win the game pretty much. So, I mean, just the little things. But honestly, he doesn't. Nebraska's the two seed, 18-6 and six in the Big Ten, 75% win percentage. Is that team serious? And they're they are sitting, serious. Yeah, they are. You're all about the win percentages over there. Well, that's incredible. Think yeah. about it. You're 37-18 and 18 in yep. the Big Ten. If you, have 70, if you win 75% of games and you play over 50 games, I don't care what league you're in. That's impressive. That's true. Math matters. Yeah, analytics is huge now in baseball. Yeah, it really is. But yeah, everyone's sabermetrics. Crazy. Why not? <laughs> Moneyball, yeah. Yeah, break you're it right. down a little bit. So. <laughs> right. No, but more about Illinois. You know, we lost. We swept us in that series. It's rough. You know, it really is. You know, Coach Boss talked about it at the beginning of the season, uh, beginning of the Big Ten season, actually. You know, Illinois, they got a great staff, uh, great coaching staff, great, great pitching rotation, and it really shows, you know. I mean, they're they're hot. They're a hot team right now. And, you know, Michigan State's back and forth. Uh, you know, we lost lost four, uh, four in a row. And obviously we've swept, Central swept us for the year, which is always tough because Michigan wasn't on the schedule this year. 
So, I mean, Coach Boss and a lot of the players spoke about, you know, without Michigan on the season schedule this year, sorry, you know, mm-hmm. that Central Series, those games are huge. You know, those are really important. We got swept by them. But I think it's important, you know, that we swept Penn State at the end. Uh, gain a that was momentum. big. You it know, was huge. Yeah, Zach, you mentioned that, the sweep um, at Penn State and State College. You know, I understand Penn State isn't exactly – um, a good baseball mm. team this year, five and eighteen in the Big Ten. You say win percentage. You remember how impressive seventy five percent was? Right. Try twenty one percent win percentage. Not as impressive. No, right. I eight, see why you bring it up now. Right, eighteen and thirty two. So they're bad. So Michigan State and Jake Boss Junior.'s team does what it needs to do. Goes into State College, takes a sweep, and yeah, going into that series, Zach, you're looking at Michigan State. They might have to squeak in eight seed, really toying with Iowa and whatnot, and even Ohio State who is a measly 30 and 26 in the Big Ten. So they go out there, they take care of business, and they get some great play. So big series for them. Now they sit pretty comfortably with that six seed. You know, Zach, I do want to ask you because, you know, they did come off that three-game sweep this weekend uh, at Penn State. So going into, you know, the Big Ten tournament, how is that confidence? Do you think they're going to take that confidence and that, you know, that booster that they, you know, they swept Penn State? Do you think they're going to take that into the Big Ten tournament? Or how do you think they're going to fare? You know, I, th- I think they will. I think at, at the beginning of the game, you know, they will. That's what they've done. You know, you've got the three guys on the mound um, in a three-game series, and you feel like you're in every every single game, you know, with Van Voss and Allman uh, and obviously the freshman view. But that's how it's gone all season. You know, we've been in every single game, and it's either gone one way. You know, either we've gotten the run, su- run support and the pitching's been rough or, or vice versa. You know, those guys have been on the mound. You know, I, like I said, I wrote a story. Uh, Van Voss and, you know, almost threw a perfect game. So these guys have the stuff to get it done. You know, the offense just isn't there. Everything's just not clicking. So I think, yeah, I think that sweep was huge at the end of the year. Um, you know, I think it'll just hit one point in the series where I just think the, you know, the talent will be a separation. I hate saying that too, but, you know, I really think that's what's going to happen. All right, so that's pretty impressive. So just so our listeners know, this is a double elimination tournament. Right. So if Michigan State wins their game against Illinois, which is pretty fortuitous to say at this point. Yeah, I agree. But so if they win that game, they'll most likely play a Nebraska team. You don't want to get ahead of yourself. That game will actually be televised. So shocking. But Nebraska, pretty good, Faith. See, I just want to make a point, though. You know, even if they did go on to play Nebraska, MSU got swept by Indiana, Nebraska, and Illinois, which mm. is the one, two, and three seed yeah. going into the <laughs> tournament. So it's, I mean, Zach, I could ask you, right. how do you think they're going to fare? Honestly, like I said, you know, the same thing. Honestly, getting swept against a team, you don't have a lot of confidence. You know, heading into that uh, that game at Comerica uh, last Tuesday, I think it's the same thing. You know, when you're swept by a team, you know, Central beating us all the previous games, you just don't have confidence. I mean, if you haven't gotten it done against certain guys, you're not going to have it done in the next game. You know what I mean? So I definitely think that the, the confidence level is low against some of the big-tier teams. Like Indiana has two All-Americans, a first team and a second team. Um, they're loaded. Indiana is loaded. So, I don't know. I mean, if I've, if we somehow get by Nebraska and Illinois, the two two of the top three teams in the league, and we have to play Indy, I just, I'm sorry, I just don't think we'll get it done. <laughs> but let's talk about this for a second, and I have to bring it up. You, you know, Faith mentions the sweep of the hands of Illinois, the sweep of the hands of Nebraska. When I look at two of these games here, okay, or I'm sorry, Indiana, mm-hmm. but okay, Nebraska, they get killed at home. That's fair. They yeah. get swept. They don't look too good. I understand that, you know, they lose 5-3-4-1-4-1 both days. But look, you look at a game uh, on the third, really, against Illinois. Mm-hmm. They're losing 5-4 in 10 innings. Yeah. So a, another close game at Indiana, a very good team, obviously. 2-1, and one, they lose in 12 innings. So although those – okay, you can be like, okay, Fina, they lost 2 out of 3. But <laughs> still, you know, those are games that they can compete, and this is one game. 
So if Michigan State can put an effort like they did in those two games, Zach, I think, yes, it's very optimistic to think Michigan Mm -hmm. State will advance. Or maybe is it too pessimistic to say they won't? Because when I look at it, I think Michigan State, if they play, if they pitch well, Mm -hmm. you mentioned Matt Austin's been excellent. Yes. So if they pitch like that and play like that, you know, maybe it's not too outlandish to say Michigan State might pull off an upset. It really isn't. And I could even make a bold prediction here and say it's either, you know, we go over and we don't win any games or we make a deep run. And I honestly think, um, you know, the Illinois series was uh, was huge. It was very indicative of the season. At that point, too, uh, you know, we had a good run going. We'd won four in a row. Uh, we'd gotten over a tough stretch where we lost four in a row. But, you know, we were close in every single game against Illinois. So, you know. Let's break this down. Let's just break this down bracket-wise. Oh, yeah, Lou. Let's get Lou in here. Lou, are you alive? Yeah, man. I was just <laughs> going to comment. Yeah. Looking at the schedule, you know, right. it, it seems like the team is a pretty streaky team. I don't know if Extreme, yeah. And since April 11th, I believe it was, they haven't had a single loss or a single win sandwiched mm-hmm. in there. It's either been consecutive right. wins or consecutive losses. Right. And like you said, do you think, I guess you answered it before I even asked, but you think, <laughs> I mean, if they get rolling, will they be able to roll through a few teams at least. I think uh, that's what I said. I mean, if they're playing their best ball, yeah, like I think I don't think anybody can stop. I think it's good too that especially they're playing some of the better teams at the beginning of the of the series. You know, playing playing uh, Illinois and Nebraska, once they knock them down, I mean, all you really got is Indiana left in there and then I think we can make a run. But I don't know, like very straight, it's just pretty much you don't really know. However, you're going to wake up in the morning that's how they're going to play. You know what I mean? Lou, I'm very curious to know what you think on this. Because, look, since it's a double elimination tournament, that's how it works in baseball. Okay, in game one, they obviously play Illinois. Let's say Michigan State loses. So then they would play the loser of Nebraska-Ohio State, most likely an Ohio State team. So they beat Ohio State. Then they would play the loser of Illinois-Nebraska. So inevitably, you can look at a scenario where Michigan State might play Illinois twice. So do you think maybe – I'm just assuming Nebraska advances – that maybe Michigan State could, if they lose to Illinois the first time, maybe they could beat in the second? I think so. I think, I mean, seeing a team twice is always pretty good, especially in the postseason, get a little bit of revenge going if, if they lose. But, I mean, considering they win and then Illinois meets them past possibly, you know, that could be pretty tough for them also. It's a lot of, a lot of ifs and buts. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, you got to start with the first game. So, right, okay, right. so let's start with the first game. They gotta, you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. They have a great catcher, Illinois. Yep. I love him. Jason Goldstein. You love him. You're I digging him. him. I'm big on him. He's a 317 average. He's got he, good stats. You love the stats. I mean, I'm big on stats. I mean, for a catcher, I mean, he produces. I right. mean, he does. Four, four home runs, 26 RBI, slugging, slugging 433. Pretty good, Zach. Mm-hmm. I think another thing, too, that I fail, failed to mention, MSU's a, a really young team. You know, they have three seniors right now, um, you know, Fisher, uh, Theodore, and then Chase Retarchik. So, and actually, Theodore and Retarchik don't even play that much. They just play midweek games. So, I think we're a really young team, and we weren't in the tournament last year. They just expanded it to eight teams this year. And I think that's huge. You look at, you guys mentioned the NBA playoffs a bit. I think that's huge. You look at a lot of these teams, like the Wizards, who had no, no playoff experience. I think it really matters. It really does. You know, there was a game uh, earlier in the season when we went into extra innings where at the end of the game, you know we we're struggling. We needed some run support. Nobody really stepped up in the in the lock in the locker room and in the dugout. We asked coach at the end of the game. You know who who are some of your leaders? Who are some of the guys stepping up? Some seniors. He didn't really know. He's kind of flustered. He's like, I don't really know. Actually, the one guy that stepped up was Mick Van Vossen, who wasn't even starting that game. So I think part of it is they're missing a true leader, a true captain in that dugout. Um, and I think especially without like a senior force, like a lot of their stud guys, you know, Salter, Checky, Pickens, they're all juniors and sophomores. 
So without anybody stepping up, I think if they face any adversity early on, I think it's going to be really tough to come back from that. You mentioned Checky. 27 steals this year. Oh, he's quick. He's a quick guy. He's been caught six times. Right. But 27, you know, 27 steals, and you even mentioned it too. I don't know if you did, but Pickens, he can swipe a bag or whatnot too. He can. He's got got deceptive speed. He's really quick. 21 swipes. So for him, for me, I'm looking at Illinois. They got to maybe run on Goldstein a little bit if you're going to make some noise. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, a key to the game, because you know Salter's going to get his ribbies. Right. He's going to hit, and he hits well. He's hitting 327. That's unbelievable. Yep. Yep. So when I look at that, I said maybe Michigan State's got to swipe bags and play a little small ball, which we've kind of seen from Michigan State this year. We've seen a bunch of small ball, actually. You know, with, with Gibson and Checky at the top of the order, like they're quick, man. That's fun to watch. You know, and that's their two personalities, too Gibson and Checky. They're, they're sparky, spunky kind of guys. But, you know, when, those, when you get those two guys on, uh, now Pickens plays a lot of small ball. Salter's more of a a big big load. You expect on like a three four hitter, but you know when you got those two guys on at the beginning of the the order, especially in an in an inning, you know it's tough, and that puts a lot of pressure on the the pitcher too. Early in an inning, going from the stretch too. Yeah. My question for you, honestly, is what do you think is going to happen at the bottom of the uh, of the order right there? It, nothing. See, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, they don't have exactly. Though. <laughs> they have nothing going. That's on. my biggest issue, though, is when you're not hitting anywhere near 300, you're hitting about what an average of you know 217. 300. Yeah, yeah more like basically, it. it's like 217 at the bottom of the lineup. There, how can you even expect to produce and get past the first round of the Big Ten tournament? That's honestly been one of the most. That's been another decisive thing in these games too you know when you have those top five six guys going and that's been tough you know we talked to coach at the beginning of the year who are your key guys in the lineup and he said you know obviously like we've talked about Gibson Checky uh, Pickens Salter and then the two guys that you really expect a lot of production out of that they haven't is Krill and Fisher you know mm-hmm. Fisher's got the power numbers there but you know Krill is a really nice guy he's a great he's guy tied for team lead five home runs Fisher, Fisher yeah. yeah, yeah, and I mean that's not impressive to me though. Five home runs, yeah, they need to be putting up a lot more balls think, than that. But think about it: Illinois is thirty-one and nineteen, great team. They only have twenty-one home runs as a team. Michigan yeah. State has twenty, mm-hmm. so I the power numbers are the same. I don't put much substance in power do in college I, baseball. I base nothing on power, and like like right. I've said, you know, if, if like the guy like Fisher, you know, all these power numbers, he hasn't put anything up. You know, no clutch hitting from Krill and from Krill and Fish from the bottom of the order. And Fish I mean, is you only got hitting two forty six exactly. this season. Yeah, exactly. Well, how do you see the comparison of the speed game to a team like Illinois? Because obviously, I would agree with Fino and yourself. I mean, in college baseball, power numbers yeah, they don't matter. Yeah, no. You have to rely on either speed on the base pads or just consistent hitting. So, which do you think Michigan State would have an advantage in that situation with their speed? I do because I think the most, watching college baseball, you know, before this year, you haven't really watched it, and it's kind of interesting once you watch these games. You expect college baseball; these guys, a lot of these guys get drafted, a lot of them go pro. So many you leagues. watch it, right? <laughs> very many leagues, leagues and stats. But you know, <laughs> a lot of these guys go pro, and on every single play, you cannot count out. There's errors. It is it's surprisingly sloppy baseball, to be honest with you. And on every single play, you cannot count them out. Seriously. So I think I think we have a huge advantage over a lot of these teams, and the fact that we have a lot of a lot of these quick guys, even at the bottom of the order. You know, Richardson's got I think he's got fifteen plus stolen bases or around there. Like he's a quick guy too. So the bottom line is, you get the ball in play. Don't strike out. Put the ball in play. Teams are going to make mistakes. Bottom line. I mean, these are young kids. You mentioned it, Richardson, twelve swipes. But right. when Thank I, you. Yeah. And Richardson has been clutch at the end of the season as well. He yeah. has. Ever He's since getting moved down. But yeah. to yeah, me, he, this is the most interesting thing, guys, is Lou mentioned the similarities between the two teams. And I agree. Michigan State has a serious advantage in the speed from 83 steals for Michigan State as a team versus Illinois only has 61. You mentioned Michigan State hitting as a team. 
They're hitting a, two, a 270 clip as a team. Illinois is hitting 273. So mm-hmm. to me, and power numbers, Illinois has hit one more one more home run than Michigan State, 21 versus 20. The teams are very similar if, very you, look similar. At the, if you look at the numbers, but it's the errors that have really clip, clipped and really hurt Michigan State. And look, obviously errors in playing clean baseball on the field has hurt Michigan State because the disparity in the wins and losses are very evident when you look at the two teams. Well, it has. And if you would somehow bring up the stats, you know, the middle infield guys and even uh, Hovis over there at third, too. You know, we have Hovis. Hovis is young. I think he's a freshman. And then Johnny Nate at second's a freshman. Richardson's young, too. You have three young guys, you know, in the infield. And then over on the hot corner, a ton of errors. 16 errors. errors. Yeah. That's a lot. That's not a lot of guys. You know, a lot of the play is coming in the infield. A lot of ground balls, a lot of of double plays. And it's just not happening. So you turn 23 double plays. Right. So that's pretty, you know. It's pretty good. That's pretty I mean, it leads the team. Second in the team, actually, to Krill, but. Still pretty impressive when you look True. at that. But look, we, when I look at field percentage, Michigan State field percentage, I'm bringing up numbers. Don't kill me. But, <laughs> well, don't worry. Yeah. Point, you know, 969 field percentage for Michigan State. When you look at Illinois' field percentage, it's a lot better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, it's way – let me pull this up right here. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not really that much better. I thought it was a little higher. It's only around 0.8 or really? 0.98. So. But still, it matters. I mean, honestly, just watching the games, that's a, a huge thing that happens too. You'll get – you know, you'll have two guys, they'll have two guys on. You look at, oh, one out, you know, guy hits into a supposed any any double play, you know, an error. So then they got got a rally going. Guys in the other opposing teams dug out, get hot. They're like, all right, we got these guys on a run. And then, it, you know, we lose the game eventually. You know, and that's why I was asking that question about the end of the lineup there is because right. when you don't have, when you have a weekend in the lineup, how do you expect to accumulate it? It's runs? like a roadblock. Exactly. You're going fast. You know, you're hitting the highway. You get, you're your, like, you get right. your first five up there. You get two <laughs> yeah. outs amongst those first five. You have two men on, two outs, and your six hitter comes up mm-hmm. and they strike out and it's over right there. It's right. just you need that back end support. Right. I'll pull some crazy stat, some crazy stats, which is why I think Michigan State has to score first. They have to because they're twenty-one and four when they score first, mm-hmm. and when they score over six runs, they're twelve and one. So hmm. if I'm looking at this, Michigan State has to score first if against Illinois, Fabe. You know and, where that one loss score came from, runs. right? You know where that one loss came from, Illinois. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Ten to nine. I did know that, but you know, and here's another thing. So. When you score first, you're 21 and four. Right. When you score in the first inning, you're nine and one. Man, like I said, the starters got it. Like they're hot. They mm-hmm. really are. And the bullpen's been good too. Obviously, lately it's been a, a bit a bit rough. Obviously, in the Penn State game, they were good. And you, but yeah, I'll let you, I'll let you <laughs> go. The Penn State series, they were good. It was huge. Yeah, that, yeah. I think that was a big big series. But they took but, care of business, did they not? Right, terrible Kinley, team. Kinley's they took good. care of business over the whole season. You'd say Kinley's good, and then the whole bullpen's good. They have a few young guys, but I think I mean once you get a lead, I think home free. Hopefully. Yeah, and we were talking about Penn State, and I we were talking a little bit off air about Jeff Kinley, the mm-hmm. closer. He had his 12th save of the season right. this weekend, and, or this past weekend, and uh, he broke the MSU single-season saves record of 11, and that was set by Mike Erickson in 1990. Isn't that and weird, I, 12, when you hear lead and save? Yeah. <laughs> um, but that I is know, weird. I know it's we were talking, number. and I said, how yeah. how has he been? Throughout the season, you said meh. You just gave me this meh. <laughs> meh. <laughs> like, <laughs> a lot of meh going on. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, it's the same thing with the team. He's been streaky. For the beginning of the season, he was really good. And then at the end of the season, he was good. But in between, you know, there was a few series. I think it was, let's pull it up here. I think it was like Northwestern, Indiana, kind of around the middle of the season. I mean, it'd be at the end of the game, you have a lead, and you're just sitting there like, oh, you got to be kidding me. He blew the save. <laughs> so kind of just inconsistent. Exactly. Same, yeah. same thing with the whole team. I'd say inconsistent. The whole season. 
inconsistency. Four losses, three wins, three losses, right. I mean, two wins. You know, I mean, to me, yeah, you can talk about inconsistency, guys. But to me, this is about offense. I don't really care about the pitching too much. It's about offense because right. when when Michigan State scores under two runs, they're four and fifteen. Mm-hmm. They don't. They're not winning games, which not is evident. All. But when you when they out, and that kind of goes back to the fielding a little bit, though, Fino. Of course it does. But you have to be clean. And when Michigan State isn't being clean on the field, they're not going to score runs. It all affects everything. But it's a mojo you, thing. It's it a really is. Thing. But Zach, yep. when you out hit a team, Michigan State, when they out hit their opponent, twenty three and four, mm-hmm. pretty impressive. So you got to look at the numbers. You could, I crunch them down a little bit for you, and it's pretty evident that Michigan State has to. They don't really have to hit the home run, right? Because when they hit, eh, I mean, I'm not big on the power numbers, yeah. but to me, they have to out hit an opponent, and on of top course. of that. They're gonna have to score runs, yeah. and they're gonna have to swipe bags. It was funny you brought up you brought up uh, two things. I'm gonna bring up in a second. You brought up errors and hits. We actually out hit a team middle of the season. We had ten hits. They had four hits. We had four. We had eight errors actually. So we had eight errors. We that had, was that, that. Was it here? Yes, I was here. You were I at was, the game. At you witnessed game. the disaster. Yeah, yes. it was brutal. <laughs> it was I think it was actually oh, against Central. Rough. I believe it was one of the Central <laughs> games. It was miserable. Yeah, people were leaving, jumping off the jumping eight off the stairs. Errors? It was bad. It was awful. <laughs> wow, eight errors. Yeah, and coach didn't chew even really want to talk to us. Yeah, go chew on his Spartan fans. But yeah. it was rough, and you mentioned that a bit. I mean, it was it was brutal. That what about the ability for Michigan State to shut down games? You mentioned how good the back end of their bullpen's been when they're leading after tw- seven innings, twenty seven or I'm sorry, twenty five and three. Yep. When they're trailing, two and seventeen. What about after eight innings? Maybe get a little better, right? Twenty-five and one leading after eight innings. Mm-hmm. What about when you're trailing, two and seventeen? Long story short, if Michigan State hasn't scored in the seventh inning, go home. It's they're, over. They're losing the game. So let's get quick predictions before we get to break. Right? Who do you got? Illinois, Michigan State. <sighs> That's a tough question. Put me on the spot. You know, I I'm putting. I'm putting I don't have to be an optimist. <laughs> Honestly, I think you know, Van Boston's on the mound. He's been streaky. I'm going to say a win. I'm going to say a win against like, Illinois. I really am. Even though I was pessimistic. Um, hmm. I'll say we score early. We score three runs early in the game, and then we hold it on. You know, Illinois scores later on in the game, but Kinley shuts it down. Um, obviously not like Detroit's closers lately, but Kinley shuts it down, and then he, uh, you know, Spartans win the first game, but we lose the second game. All right, all right. Well. Quick up, Goodman, who do you got? Winner. Be real quick. Honestly, 11-13 and 13 in the Big Ten, losing all three games to Illinois. I'm going to have to take Illinois in this one, guys. You like Illinois? I like Illinois. Faith? Illinois, it's going to be a close one, though. Lou? I'm going to go Illinois, too. I, I mean, it, I, I don't think they're going to be I able to I better put money on this. Really. I could win some money <laughs> well, right here. <laughs> these are pretty good odds. Yeah, these are pretty good odds, but guess what? I do like the ability for Michigan State to play well in this game. Sneaky small boy. I like Michigan State. Well, I'm sticking with my man, Zach. <laughs> Stay tuned in the pack. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we're talking a little NHL playoffs. we got a couple callers on the line. We'll get to those after the break here on the Pact. You're listening to the Pact on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. All the gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. Primetime. 
You're listening to coverage of Spartan sports like never before as we embrace the Spartan debate here on The Pact. That is right, everyone. We are embracing the Spartan debate uh, all day long, taking you all the way to the top of the hour here. And from the basement of Holden All, it's WDBM, The Pact. Your host, Fino, and guys, the number to call in as always, 517-432-3893. We do have a couple callers on the line. We'll take those in a quick minute. Uh, but first, guys, we have to introduce our second segment here on the Pact, and it's NHL playoffs. And I think there were, we had some two great games. You look at that L.A. game, whoa. And then, to me, big time, the Chicago Blackhawks have been playing some great hockey. They're stepping up to the plate, and hey, Chicago looks pretty good, Lou. I'm sorry to say it, but they look great. They look good, but, you know, I don't think we've seen close to the end of the Kings. I think they're going to be firing, and I, I actually think L.A. will win this series eventually. I do, too. You like L.A.? Wow, it was pretty unbelievable. Faith, what do you got? I got Blackhawks. I don't like Blackhawks. I do but... like Chicago. I mean, let's, say, let's give Chicago credit, Faith. I Absolutely. mean, we both are. The 3-1. Corey Crawford's playing pretty well, Lou. Corey Crawford's playing amazing, but I think L.A. really, I mean, they didn't play their game for the full 60 minutes. I thought the second period they outplayed him. A couple bad bounces ended up getting down, lost some yeah, confidence. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. But they played their game, and I think Corey Crawford, you're right, bringing him up was huge. Um, he played an amazing game, and he was the reason that L.A. didn't get rolling there. But I think eventually 26, they're going to be able to crack 25 in saves, and, 26 attempts, one, one bye. It's pretty good. Corey Crawford has been playing amazing throughout the entire series. He has a 1.97 goals against average, and he has 9.31 or .931 save percentage. He's been, I, good. he's been good, but I think Jonathan Quick is going to be even better in this series. Yeah, that's true. I mean, well, I'll get to that in a second. Absolutely. I guess one thing I just like about this series is that Blackhawks is ranked number two in scoring, and then you've got... Kings who are number one in you know defense, so but something's got to give. But, but yeah, but it's just great because it's such a good matchup. Honestly, the Blackhawks have a massive void in their second line in their sentiment. They really do. Well, I know there's one. We'll big, talk about that. There's one big Blackhawks fan from Lake Forest, Illinois. He's a friend of mine, so we're gonna bring him on the pact, Mark Moran. So, Mark, how are you? I'm fine, Fino. How are you? Good, not too bad. So your Blackhawks playing pretty well, huh? Yeah, and I actually wanted to talk to you about uh, Michigan State alumni and his performance in the game yesterday. Oh, Duncan Keith, huh? Right. What do you think about that? I think Duncan Keith playing really well, and I think the beauty of Duncan Keith is he's sneaky. When he plays well, you know what? He flies under the radar. One goal, plus one. And a lot, you know, he's playing 23 minutes of ice time. He's, he's shut down for them, and if Duncan Keith plays like that, along with Seabrook, who I thought had another great game, look, Chicago's going to be on their way to maybe another Stanley Cup. We'll see what happens. Well, hey, I, what... Yeah. You guys have uh, did. Were you able to catch up on um, uh, just as you know? I think about a segue from MS or uh, uh, hockey into MSU hockey. What are your thoughts on uh, the career plans for uh, Chelios as he leaves Michigan State? Well, the Chelios is a pretty interesting. Uh, I know he didn't even make Chicago. I know uh, Kelly had a little banter about that. Uh, I was talking to her about it. But the thing is with the Chelios is uh, it's funny with Chris Chelios because. Here he is, he's in the, and I'm talking their father, here he is, uh, a Hall of Famer for the Blackhawks, and he's not even liked in Chicago, it seems like the sentiment is. So their sons, maybe they have a little bit of the same thing. I think Jake has more potential than Dean, but they're going to have to break the scene somehow. I, I, like I said, Jake's Chelios a little more ceiling than Dean, Mark, but when it comes down to it, I think they're going to have to break in somewhere, and it doesn't have to be with Daddy's organization. Um, hey, one other thing, there's... Just in completely unrelated subject, there's rumors around Chicago that okay. WDBM is um, is buying billboard space for for Anthony Serafino. Oh my god! Um, 
posters to you know to advertise to you know for Pandora and stuff like that. Yeah, Is there any truth to that? Uh, there might be. Uh, we prefer iHeartRadio, uh, if anything. But uh, you know, as much as I look good on a billboard, we do have a couple of posters of me here in the office. But I would love some ad space. No truth to the rumors. We can get John Yale's or guy behind the glass on that. But uh, nothing really doing with that, Mark. Is so. there any way you could send me one of those autograph? posters oh I, I i could actually it's uh i used to be in a movie clock stopper so we can send you that as well i have a right. i'm on a movie poster i'll be sure to email you know email me and i'll send that over to lake forest on your address i promise you you'll love it. it'll be right in your office all right great hey w- a couple more things okay um, msu lacrosse okay mcla playoffs national tournament okay um, what are you, what are your thoughts on the spartans performance yeah i mean uh yeah not too not too hot with the spartans really um Look, when it comes down to it, they're not as good as uh, your son Sam, right? UCLA lacrosse. That's what's really what it's about. Uh, he's playing really well. Uh, pretty exceptional there. But you know what? With Michigan State lacrosse, you know, they're just talking about Big Ten lacrosse with the addition of maybe John Hopkins. So unless Michigan State gets a legitimate and they recognize their lacrosse team, that's when Michigan State will start making strides. So, Mark, um, we appreciate you calling in as always, Mark. We love it. Um, feel free to listen in always and give us a call next week. All right, iHeartRadio. You got it, Mark. Take care. See ya. Yep, it's pretty unbelievable. So, you know, we take the lines. Mark is always great from Chicago, listening from Lake Forest, so we thank him. But, you know, let's bring it back to NHL, okay? And we'll take this caller in a second. Big Ranger fan. Uh, But the Rangers right now, they look like they're in the position to win, Lou. Absolutely, you know. And coming into this series, I kind of was leaning a little bit towards Montreal. But with the loss of Price, I mean, it's just it's just too much. They're not going to be able to overcome that. What do you especially, think, Cody? Especially after losing 7-2 to in the very first game. I mean, that's just such a stab. It's a massive stab. And you have to understand that Henrik Lundqvist of the New York Rangers, he's coming off of a series where he was 102 for 105. Pretty in shock. Wow. Listen, that is incredible against players like Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, people that you would call the best in the NHL. That's he showed that he was one of the best in the NHL. Listen, right there. I'm a, you know I'm a big Devils fan, and I'm I'm the Rangers' biggest critic. But I am no, I am no. Look, I'm not ashamed to admit that Henrik Lundqvist is playing out of his mind. Absolutely. I mean, Lou. He's, he's playing unreal, and there's no question and about it, that. That he's took at a the lot top for me of this game. Say. You know, it, it is, and it took a lot. I'm sure it did. I don't see why. I mean, you always seem to think he's such a terrible goalie. He hasn't won anything. He hasn't won he's, anything. Why the guy's it? got two gold medals. I mean, he's Remember a Remember when we were talking about this? It. it was like four episodes of the pack, probably like, I don't know, a month ago. Lou and I were telling you how much Henrik Lundqvist actually holds his team together. And it looks like we were right right now. Right, Lou? It's pretty true, you know. And, I mean, he was the reason Tortorella left, allegedly. And I think uh, now Vino's in there. He knows what he's doing with him. He kind of learned his lesson with Luongo over in Vancouver, I think. So <laughs> I think uh, I think the Rangers are in a real good spot. They're in a really good spot, and we'll take our second caller here, uh, Mike from Glenrock, another friend of mine. We have friends, Fino's friends calling all the time here, uh, <laughs> and he's a big Ranger fan, so I call him the Sheriff. Sheriff, what's going on, pal? <laughs> Hello? Did what? Well, it looks like we'll get him back. You want to get him back on the line? Yeah. We'll take him back in a second. So, you know, Ranger's pretty interesting. Now – the Carey Price, interesting. I-, I thought it was accidentally on purpose. That's a pretty interesting hit there. So I kind of want to play a clip here. We're going to play this clip on what Brandon Pruss thought about the hit. I thought it was pretty cheap, in my opinion, so we'll give this man. You know, everybody says it's accidental, but 
it's accidentally on purpose. You know, he did nothing to really uh, avoid. I mean, we're in the NHL. We know how to fall. We know how to not put our skates first uh, when we fall. So, um, you know, he did the same thing against Flurry in the last se series. So, I mean, he's not doing anything to avoid him. So whether it's, you know, not totally intentional, but he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't do anything to lighten it up a bit, you know. So. Brennan, you played with you played with Kreider. Do you think he's that type of player? Uh, no, I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he's uh, real real dirty. But I mean, in this situation, you know, he he went skates first, ran to his leg, and you know, we know how to slide. We know how to fall. We're in the NHL. We taught how to fall when you're five years old and get back up and whatever. So um, I don't think he's a dirty player, but he did nothing to um, slow up or avoid him at all. You know, I was I was out there, um, and uh, yeah, I was definitely concerned. But uh... all right, I've heard enough here. Uh, <laughs> so I've just heard enough. To me, you could say what you want to say about Chris Kreider. I know, great player, whatever you want to say. He was great in the hockey. He's Boston College guy. Yada 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 yada. But to me, Lou, I wasn't a fan of it. I'm I'm gonna agree with Pruss here. You know, you're taught how to skate. You're taught how to pick up. These these guys are not five years old. They're professionals, and I thought that was pretty un unprofessional, in my opinion. You know, I don't think that he intentionally went in there thinking, you know, I'm gonna run over Carey Price. I think he had a good chance on the puck, got whacked a little bit, probably tried to sell a call, and you know, said it's not the worst thing in the world if I hit run into this guy who happens to be at the top of his game. You know, I don't think he went in there thinking I want to injure him. I think he wanted to just rattle him a little bit, say, you know, we're here, we're here to play. And I don't think there was anything dirty about it. I think Prust has a right to be upset because now his playoff chances are just destroyed. But, you know, I don't have a problem with the play. And I agree with Lou 100% right there. Honestly, if you watch the play and you watch it in slow motion, you watch it in any speed, you see that he got his legs taken out from underneath him. And yes, you are taught to fall. You are taught to sliding. You are, ta are taught to do several different things when you're on the ground. But when you're going at that high of a speed, you have that big of a chance to score on one of the best goalies in the NHL, you would do the exact same thing. And quite frankly, he might have went legs first, but I don't think that's what his intention was to knock out Carey Price in the entire series. Absolutely not. Faith? 22.6 miles per hour is what he was going. That's what they clocked him at. 26? 22.6. Wow. So, we know the exact miles per hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just serious? Saying, I'm just saying he was going straight for Price. Kreider was. So you're and on my I, side on this one. Well, yeah, I, I didn't see him go one way or the other. You try can to move avoid left. It. I agree with you, Faith. You can totally move left. The guy's left. got one thing in his mind that's put the puck in the net. Exactly. I'm not saying he's trying to hurt Carey Price. I'm just saying he didn't try to get out of the way. We he but if he did get out of the way, he would be going straight for the goalpost. Am I wrong here? Yeah, he would I mean, be putting why would himself I, at risk. Yeah, I mean, why not take a you know little bump on the guy who's been running? I mean, he ran the Bruins. He's running the postseason. Why not you know give him a little how's she going? And he did that. Well, Unfortunately, well, it injured him. Well, I'll tell you exactly what Coach uh, Tarian said about it. You're looking at the incident, you know. It's a reckless play. That's the truth. And Kreider, this is not the first time that he's going at goalies. Goalies. He's done it before. I mean, he did it against um, the Senators. He's done it against the Penguins. So it's been a reoccurring thing for him. And Chris Kreider still remains clueless via this clip. I think uh, I, I try to get to the net. Um, I wouldn't use either of those two words to describe my game. Um, you know, when, when, when you get try to get to the net, obviously, you know, they're going to try to keep you from getting to the net. So there's, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be physical altercation in that.
This guy's a bozo. I'm sorry. I just Come can't. on. I mean, he fell down right after the hash marks. Think about how much time you He's have. He's not going a 22 player. Po- Hold on. Going at 22.6 miles an hour if we clocked it in. How <laughs> quickly do you have time to move away from Carey Price? The only place he would go is exactly right into the goalpost. The st- and quite frankly... He's not dumb enough to hurt he, himself. I mean, look, he was the third star of the game. I mean, look, there's no doubt about it. Chris Kreider is very good, and there's no doubt about it. He intentionally. He's not a dirty player. I mean, I thought it was. I'm not saying it was a dirty play. I'm just saying he could have made a little more effort. He could have. All right. I mean, if he would have, but kicked, that's not. Dir- it's not dirty to not make a little bit more effort. If he would have kicked up at his face or something like that, that's a completely different story. But that's not what he did. What he did was. Try to slide at the. I mean, he did try to move. He was starting in the center, right at. There's no way. Chest to chest Fake with Carey Price, and then sli- slid to the left. Up, he, he was going in the goal with the puck. It looks like he didn't try to Be- move because on you one have side of one mindset, and Lou said it. It is to get the puck in you the know net. What? I don't care what Lou says right now because he's just salty about Boston. That's a it. little true, but at the same time, <laughs> you know, you still have to understand that his his priority is not avoiding Carey Price. Yeah, his priority is putting the puck in the net. Yeah. you know, he does. Doesn't want to hurt the guy. I'm not, I'm not saying help carry Price up. I'm not saying rub and his he, leg. And he, he didn't hold his skates out and flash him at him. He went legs first, but he kind of tucked him a little bit. He saw. I mean, it could have been worse. And if he you do stuck his it arm, it could have been worse. If you go head, but it could have been play. better. If you go head first in that situation, then you could be risking yourself again, and you don't why? want to do that. Running into a why risk 200... yourself when you can risk another player? Exactly, that's true. Exactly, that's it's true. true. Fate. What do you think about that? I, mean, I guess so. Yeah. So let's take this caller real quick before we hit break. We got Mike from Glamrock calling in. Let's see if we actually have connection with them. Mike, what's going on, pal? Do we got him? We obviously don't have him. So we're done with this. Uh, yeah. So look, look I, I, to me, I'm not a fan of the Kreider play at all, Faith. And it's just, it's a dirty play. I guess my big question mark is what are the Canadians going to do now? You know, now that price is gone, who's gonna you know who's gonna fill that slot? Doesn't and, matter. And how confident are this they is... gonna be going into game two when they lose number one seven to two, which is a huge margin, and they lose their starting goalie? Okay, that's a fair point. But to me, I think I think Montreal is dead in the water, and it doesn't really matter to me because as much as I cannot stand the Rangers, they're gonna win this series. No one in the no one in the earth saw that they were gonna they were gonna score seven goals in game one at the Bell Center. No one saw that. Absolutely, and you know, Rick Nash was scoreless before this game. He only had five assists at 52 shots in the net, though. 52 shots in 14 games, but he scored in this game. That means that Rick Nash is now putting the puck in the net, and that means the Montreal Canadiens have even bigger problems than what they had before. Okay, Lou, who do you think wins the series? I think the Rangers win the series, but I think you are still counting Montreal a little bit short. I think that they've shown that they have character. That's a thing that they've lacked as a team for a long time. But this season, you know, that's kind of changed. Mike Weaver, uh, you know, I want to give some guys some credit that, you know, I couldn't really do during the Bruins series. Uh, but, you know, Mike Weaver had an outstanding series. I think he's going to come up big. They're going to need shot blocks. With They've done all postseason. He's been the lead guy there. Uh, another guy... You know who didn't really show up on the score sheet that often, though. Brendan Gallagher, I think he's really. I he, love Brendan Gallagher. I think he might be the heartbeat of that team. He's just a little fire plug, and you know, or spark plug. To I me, there's fire plug isn't to, a thing. But. That's true, but to me, there's two factors that will lead to a Rangers series victory, and it's two things. One is if they score on the power play, which they've done, mm-hmm. and it's two, it's getting Rick Nash to actually score, which he's now which done. he now is done. Yep. So now you get all those cats out of the bag. To me, I think the cat is out of the bag. They had a five-on-three, and they scored on both the five-on-three 
and on the power play on that five on four right after that three. Let's also keep in mind the drive of Martin St. Louis right now. His mother just passed away, and that's an unfortunate thing. His entire it's, team was at the funeral, and that's really pushed him up. He scored in the game following no the doubt. funeral. He scored in game one. He is on fire, and he's going to keep being on fire. He's an old veteran. He's playing well. I mean, there's no doubt about Marty it. Marty St. Louis is one of the best players in this league. And Absolutely. He's a Hall of Famer. I mean, Obviously, it's an unfortunate that his mother passed yeah, it's away. Terrible. I think it makes a bit of a difference, but I think he would have been there regardless. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think he's one of the best players on that team in the league, perhaps, and uh, he's going to be huge. But like you mentioned, Rick Nash scoring, that's going to be massive that's for massive. New York. So he gets his first goal of the playoffs. How shocking is that? And look, when Rick Nash scores, they win games. And I know it's been one, but look, when Rick Nash is a to me, he's a hell of a player, and once he gets involved, Austin, it's game it, over. It's not even just offense for the New York Rangers. It's a defense. It's well, Ryan McDonough. It, 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 Girardi, too. Dan Girardi, Mark Stahl, and Ant- oh, this makes me Anton cool. Strawman. I mean, they shut down Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. They shut them down, simply. And they've had great production off that third line. They had Derek Bers- uh, Brian Boyle. They have Derek Dorsett. They have Dan- you know, Dominic Moore. They're playing great. All these lines, the third and fourth lines, they're producing, and that's what you need. There's no doubt there's producing. Um, we're going to take a quick break here on the pack. Good hockey stuff, but when we come back, a little NBA playoffs. We're going to preview game one tonight. Spurs, Thunder. That's going to that's gonna be oh, man, one a, heck of a, a series. A slobber knocker of a series, as I say. I call Spurs. Yeah, you like Spurs, too. Well, we'll talk about it when we come back here on the pack. You're listening to the pack on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building? Without all that smoking? Uh, Yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. And now back to the Pact here on 88.9 FM. We are back on the Pact. Eurosfino alongside, taking you all the way to the top of the hour, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, 7.45, we're going to be talking NBA playoffs all the way through, Fabe. 517-432-3893 is our number. So if you want to call in and talk a little NBA hoops with us, feel free to embrace the Spartan debate with myself, Faith, Lou, and Austin. Guys, so turn back the clock a little bit. NBA playoffs. You know, we haven't talked about the NBA in about two weeks. And it's been a great NBA playoffs, in my opinion. 
you have this this Spurs Thunder series, which everyone is talking about. Ibaka now is out for the series, maybe for the playoffs, they're saying. And the Thunder swept the Spurs in the regular season. So, whoa there. And then we have the Pacers, which everyone was saying how the Pacers were out in the Atlanta series, that, you know, they get by, you know, they make something happen. Long story short, Indiana's winning game one. They win game one, and it was a very unconventional road to the conference finals, Austin Goodman, but Indiana's making something happen. Indiana is making something happen. Quite frankly, I thought they were going to lose to the Wizards. I really did. I mean, at first it was the Hawks, then it was the Wizards. Now you get yeah, but it was Miami. really the Wizards for me. They looked great coming out of that first round, and quite frankly, I did not think the Indiana Pacers had what it took. But honestly, it's the Miami Heat. It's a team that every single person in the world thinks is going to threepeat, except for a few selected people that hate LeBron James for some reason. Because quite frankly, mm-hmm. he is the best player in the NBA right now, and that's a fact, one hundred percent. Him and Kevin Durant, they battle for it, but LeBron James is better. I'm sorry. I think the Heat are going to win this series. You know, I think it's going to be a pretty good thing. You know, uh, Indiana has really turned it up. Obviously, like Austin said, the Washington series was a bit of a surprise. I can't remember, but I think I picked Washington in that just because of the way they were looking. I think we all did. And you I know, mean, that, that backcourt wasn't for a bad. It wasn't a bad call just because of the way they looked. But you know, obviously, that didn't pan out, and now they win Game One in Miami. So you know, I'm I'm looking forward to that series. I I don't know if I could pick Indiana still, just because you're right. I mean, LeBron, he is the best player in the world. They will do. I I, I think Indiana is a good team. I mean, their whole starting five was in double figures. I mean, Hibbert is back, I guess. He's playing off 19 points, 5 for 13 from the floor. But when I look at it, yeah, Indiana grabbed game one, but they awoke a sleeping giant in Miami faith. And to me, Miami will take game two by the horns, and I think they win game two pretty smoothly tomorrow night. See, I'm taking Pacers over this one because from what I've researched, the team that wins game one, the best of seven series goes on to win 77% of the time. I did see that. Yes. So, and a lot of it you said is um, Hibbert. I definitely think that he's a playmaker and I've noticed that when he scores double digits, when he, you know, when he goes into 10 and above or whatever, they'll, they'll go six and zero postseason. So that's how it is right now. Look, if Hibbert plays like that, they're going to be a very deep team and a tough team to beat. Because to me, Miami doesn't really have an answer down low. They don't really have bigs. I understand you have Birdman, but to me, you're not going to put in Greg Oden in the game. Okay? So he's not even active. But the point, the joke I was trying to make is your bigs beside Udonis Haslam and Chris Anderson is pretty non-existent from there. Because Chris Boss isn't a true five, even though he's playing there. He's really a power forward. Absolutely. So it sounds like you're, you know, riding the Indiana bandwagon a little bit. Fee. No, I'm not. What do you think? No, I'm not. I'm, I think the Heat will win the series because if Chris Bosh, he went four for 12 on the floor and scored nine points. If Chris Bosh gives you a double-double effort, uh, 15 points, maybe 10, 11 rebounds, something like that. If he's And I know he's not a natural rebounder, but if he's putting more than nine points in a game, LeBron will do his thing. Dwayne Wade will do his thing. And more importantly, and if Chris Bosh scores, they win. All right, all right. You know, I, I actually, I'm going to pick Miami also. That's right. But who do you think has a better chance of going? Because obviously, you know, the favorites in both series are San Antonio and Miami, respectively. It, it, so, who do you think has a better chance of toppling the Giant? Uh, well, San Antonio. I mean, I if to me, if Indiana, if Indiana somehow beats Miami, okay, and you have Indiana versus Miami. No, but I mean, oh, OKC or Indiana, the two oh, Giants. Okay, I see what you're saying. Oh. Oklahoma City. 
See what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. you think OKC's got a pretty good chance there? Well, yeah. But, well, even though without Serge Ibaka, but you got to remember the reigning MVP is in is in Oklahoma City, and he's he's playing outstanding. Durantula, I love him. So to me, yes, I think Oklahoma City has a better chance, but Indiana's dealt an impossible card. Miami, I think, in my opinion, will three P, and they're playing like it. Honestly, with Serge Ibaka out, I think the Spurs have a massive advantage. I'm going to have to disagree with you right there. Well, San Anto- listen to this. San Antonio, their offensive average, 93 points per 100 possessions with Ibaka on the court. And then with Ibaka off the court, it's 120.8, shooting percentage of 51.4% when he was on the bench. That's a 27.8% well, well, difference Goody, that's per 100 correct, touches. But that's not what we were talking about. We were saying who has a better chance of beating Miami or San Antonio. Is it Indiana over Miami or is it Oklahoma City over, over what's it called? Uh, the Spurs. Spurs there. Yeah. So when you look at those teams, I'm asking you, who do you think has a better chance of winning? You have, do you think Indiana has a better chance of beating Miami, or think Oklahoma City has a better chance of beating San Antonio? I think that. <laughs> I think was that I think, not the question? That no, was the question. No, okay. it is the question, but I don't think I don't think either of those things are going to happen. I think the the Heat are going to win, and the Spurs are going to win, and that's going to be the NBA championship right there. Well, I, I mean, hundred percent agree with you. I'm just putting in a hypothetical situation. A hypoca- I would say that Indiana has a better chance of beating the Heat than the Thunder do of beating the Spurs. With I, Ibaka, I don't know if I agree with that. I agree. Huh? I I I, I, I think that's going to happen. Well, all right, that's with fair. Ibaka out. That changes everything. It changes everything. I think it's a factor. He severely shuts down the Spurs. I think it's a factor, but if somehow Oklahoma City can get through Faith, you look at a team with no bigs, like Miami, you know, that's that's a team Oklahoma City, believe it or not, wants to play. They want to play in Miami because when it comes down to it, I know Miami beat them in a series, but OKC's a way different team. You bring back Russell Westbrook, and he's been pretty exceptional. Yeah, one OKC definitely has MVP, Kevin Durant, and a lot relies heavily on him. He's a good leader. He can score those points. Yeah, hypothetical. Yeah, m- makes the point, Faith. So I know Mike Peters is winning on line one for a while. Uh, we finally got him, so we'll take this call real quick. We got the sheriff here on WDBM. What's going on, Mike? You know, first time, long time. Good to talk to you. Good uh, to be on air. Oh, uh, Mike, good to talk to you, brother. What's going on? I uh, was talking, talking a little basketball about what you brought up there earlier. I definitely think Indiana could take this series. Uh, old mantra I always learned, great teams play poorly and win. That's what Indiana has been doing. They played poorly, you know, the first uh, first series, and then they came back looking a lot better against the Wizards. Finally, put it all together in Game One against Miami. I think it could go a long series, six, seven games. But I think they're a better team than they were last year. They start putting the pieces of the puzzle together, and they're gonna you know, definitely could take down the Heat this year. Let me ask you this, though, Sheriff. I know you mentioned you give Indiana's great play. Is there any credit for Miami? Do you not think Miami can take this in six or seven games? No, I do. I, you know, I just said I think it's going to be a long series, six or seven games. But, you know, you look at the close series last year, I think Indiana has improved. I think, you know, another year under their belt for a young team, they're going to come back. The age is always a factor for Miami. Uh, you never know. That's a lot of question marks on the Miami side. I think the Pacers, though, can outplay. You look at the young, you look at their inside presence with Hibbert. Um, everything like that. I don't think Miami has enough answers or enough in the tank to shut them down this year. All right, that's, that is a fair point, Sheriff. But thanks for calling in. I know you're first time, long time. Got to call in more. Thanks for calling in. Uh, thank you. You got it, Sheriff. So, you know, Sheriff brings a lot of good points to the table. But when I look at it, Faith, I think it's a Heat Series win. I know you're big on Indiana, but I don't know. I'm not sold on them because Indiana, to me, they can't really win on the road. Well, from what I read, the um, Heat are six and one at home and one and seven on the road. So obviously, 
Indiana can take it on um, at home, definitely. And he obviously can't win. So. Well, here's something crazy. In the regular season, both teams are pretty 500 on the road. 21 and 20 was Indiana on the road, and they had the best home record in the NBA, uh, 35 and 6. Miami on the road, 22 and 19. Especially in this playoff, it's been pretty uh, pretty erratic how road teams have been. I know it, not, it wasn't the case in this series, but road teams have been winning a lot of games, Goody. So I think that's something to put through. So switching gears, does that maybe mean that Oklahoma City can win? I don't think Oklahoma. In game one? I don't think they can win. I don't think they can win the series. I don't think they're going to win game one. I think it's going to be a six-game series in favor of the Spurs. The Thunder are seventh in offense with 170, 170. And 7.9 in points per possession out of 100. And then in defense, they're fifth. The Spurs are second in offense and third in defense. And with the loss of Ibaka and, and Tony, Park, yeah. Tony Parker, the only flaw in the Spurs right now is that Tony, Tony Parker has a, you know, a little bit of a messed up hammy. But he's playing in game one, and we'll see how that goes for him. But I really think that the Spurs are going to take it, and they're really going to put a massive effort in beating the Heat later on for the NBA championship. And I said that pre-playoffs. Of course, our stats guru, John Yales, is always working hard for us, and he gave me three stats to read out. Spurs have won nine nine straight game ones. The last team with the longer streak, 96-98 Bulls. 11 straight. Pretty impressive. Yeah. So... But let's flip it around on Durant's side. Okay, Kevin Durant netted his ninth 30-point game this postseason. No other player in the NBA in the postseason has had more than four. That's also pretty impressive. Thunder, as we mentioned before, Thunder swept all four meetings against the Spurs, and they won all four games by at least six points. Now, yes, I don't put much substance in that last statistic, but to, to me, Kevin Durant is really carrying the load pretty nicely for Oklahoma City. Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned Russell Westbrook a little bit earlier. I think he's obviously been a huge addition coming back from his injury. And even without him last year, they still did relatively decent during the playoffs. So I think Oklahoma has a decent chance, but I I do think the loss of Ibaka is going to be too much. I think San Antonio has too much experience, too much veteran leadership. They're going to take this one. Let me ask you this. Would you guys be bored with seeing another San uh, Antonio-Miami series, hence if that's what we have in the NBA Finals? No, because it would be an amazing series. It would be an aggressive matchup. Well, Faith, what do you think? I know you think Indiana's going to advance, so. No, I mean, it would still be entertaining, though. you got two incredible teams against each other. I think most people around basketball would agree that a couple of those games last year and last year's final were some of the best basketball they've seen, I mean, in the modern era. So mm-hmm. I think it would be Absolutely. good thing. came down basketball. to the wire. It came down to the wire. I really want to see the two best teams, and I think they're the two best teams. They Miami and San Antonio. Some, yep, yep. And, you know, Oklahoma will be there, but not without Ibaka. What a shame. And I don't want to take anything away from Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook. Both of those players are absolutely incredible, especially Kevin Durant. I'm a Kevin Durant guy. But quite frankly, I don't think either of those players have what it takes without Ibaka to be able to serve up against that veteran Spurs team. Veteran. That's what it comes down to. Underline that word because they have been working together for a long time. Duncan. Parker, Ginobili, all of those players are just so incredible, and they're going to bring it out Bella at the Nelly, end. Thiago Splitter. I mean, they just go on and on. They're a very deep team, like you mentioned, and San Antonio, great fan base and whatnot. So but who do you think is going to win the series? You tell me. In Miami or San Antonio? No, uh, San oh. Antonio or OKC. Oh, I mean, I, I, I think it's I. Th- <laughs> it's pretty, it already here. came out there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it did. Because, yeah, I, I, I think it's San Antonio, because I think we're going to see another San Antonio-Miami series. San Antonio and what? San Antonio is six games. Okay. 
Six games. Well, I mean, what do that's you think? I, six games? I, yeah, that's what I said earlier. I think, I think it's six, six, six games. Six games is a fair bet. And it's no disrespect to Kevin Durant, but it's you, Lou, you mentioned it. The loss of Ibaka is big. They don't have a big, but to me, beating a San Antonio team is going to come down to guard play. And when it comes down to it, I would take Kevin – I'm sorry. I would take uh, Duncan – and Duncan combo along with Tony Parker versus a Kenrick Perkins and Russell Westbrook when I'm looking at a 4-1. That's just what it comes down to it. So I like the guard play better, and I like the forwards better on both San Antonio. So it's it's tough to me pick it, but they're a great team. I just love San Antonio, and I love Greg Popovich. We haven't given one mention about Greg Popovich. Hands down the best coach in the NBA. Absolutely. It's not even remotely close. 62 wins. This team is sneaky. And I have another question for you. The okay. Heat's. The Heat versus the Pacers. How many games is it going to go and who's going to win? Miami and six. Miami and six? Miami and six. What I about think... you, Faith? No, I got Pacers. I'm she's still, all, you're, I'm she's all Pacers. Team Pacers. Pacers in six or seven? <laughs> Let's go seven. I, I, I would seven? say if the Pacers were to win the series, I think they'd get It'd be it like done. a last-minute shot off of a stupid call and a free-throw well, combination. Well, guys, think about it. Last year in that NBA Finals, Miami against San Antonio, Miami had no winning. They had no business winning game six. They were dead in the water. Ray Allen makes a corner three. So we could very well be looking at a different, a different future. You know, San Antonio would be going for two in a row, back to back, but they're not. So you, it's one shot. Indiana could be make that one big shot and get hot. Mm-hmm. Everyone was jumping off Indiana's bandwagon. They wanted to burn down the field house in downtown Indianapolis. Now we're a Hibbert is scoring, playing more physical faith. And you know what? I wanted to bring that up er- like earlier. Him. Hibbert has I been like playing Hibbert. incredibly well. He, and he stepped up. After I don't know. Game I don't know. One. And all the the rumors about Paul George and just. Just all the junk rumors swirling around the team, Frank Vogel on the hot seat. I think they got to get all that junk out of there. And I think, you know, you talk about the rumors and what's outside the locker room. That affects your team on the court. It does. And they could say it doesn't. It does. And when all that dollar and sterling junk was going around the Clippers, that affected the Clippers. Mm -hmm. And I think if that didn't happen, Clippers win that series. I think that I think if all I don't that, think so. I can't agree with you on that one. Well, that's hypothetical. The point is Oklahoma. They got C- past the first round. If Oklahoma it was going to affect any series, it would have been the it would have been the round one series. Oklahoma City deserved to win that. Oh, absolutely, and they did. So OKC is going to put up a little bit of a fight against the Spurs. They are, but I don't think it's going to be anything close enough to beat them. Lou, real quick, who do you got in the final? I got Spurs Heat in the final. I'm taking Miami in seven. I think it's going to be very very close down to the wire with Indiana, but you know Heat are going to prevail. Heater. I'm going to take Spurs in seven. <laughs> Indiana and OKC. <laughs> you, I know. You Faith just got to go in the opposite here on the pack. But every <laughs> week, every Monday here on WDBM from 7 to 8, we embrace the Spartan debate. For myself, Faith, my man Austin Goodman, and Lou DeVizio behind the glass, your host Fino, signing off here from the basement and holding all. Catch us every Monday. Have a good night.